0: Let's Plant Houses, the podcast where we delve into the incredible journey of special needs parents. I'm your host, Wendy Ernst, and together we'll explore the resilience of this remarkable community. Whether you're a parent, a caregiver, or simply seeking to understand more about this journey, you're in the right place. So today I have Kelly, a fellow special needs parent, joining us on the show. So I just want to thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You're welcome. So, um, so Kelly, so if you wouldn't mind, I'd just love to start with you telling me a little bit about your family. Okay, I think we probably look pretty average. I have
1: two teenagers, spirited <laughs> teenagers, and a dog named Spirit. Um, I, my daughter is 17, and I have a 15-and-a-half-year-old son who is in driver's training. Oh, how's that? He plays contact <laughs> sports, so... <laughs> I've gone back to meditating and doing yoga and square breathing <laughs> on a daily basis. Yes.
0: <laughs> so um, so I think today we're going to talk a little bit about your daughter. Okay. So um, may I ask what her diagnosis is? Yes, she has Down syndrome. Okay. And so I assume she was diagnosed when she was born.
1: Yes. Okay. A couple of weeks after she was born. Okay. That was her official diagnosis.
0: Okay. And so, did you guys know before she was born that she We did not. Okay. So this was new information? Yes, it was. Oh. And actually I knew like the second she was born. I knew
1: somehow, I don't I can't even explain it, but um I had I asked the doctors like right when she was born and they just looked at me Really oddly and said, why are you? Why are you asking about this? Yeah. And um, and then they just said, well, we don't know. Uh, you know, it requires testing. They didn't really, they were really unsure for the first couple of weeks. So it was very strange. But um, yeah, that was what happened when she was born.
0: Okay. And so since this was new information to you and your family, um, how did your life change?
1: Well, it was, it was a really huge impact. Um, I think being first-time parents is a huge life-changing experience for anyone. I haven't talked to anybody that said it wasn't. (laughs) Right. Um, No matter what you expect, it's different than what you expect, but having um, a diagnosis of a disability that's um, lifelong, no cure, no treatment, Mm -hmm. um, being faced with that and being faced with becoming a new parent, it was, you know, just Really was a big turn, you know. Kind of felt like I was in a hit by an ocean wave and just kind of tumbling around for a while. So, right, um, yeah, it was pretty overwhelming.
0: So, I guess at that point, I mean, what kind of supports were you getting when that first when that first happened? Um,
1: well, we had family support. We had a lot of family support. That's um, good. I, our families, you know, just treated her like they would any other newborn. Luckily, she was the eight, ninth, I think, ninth grandchild on my husband's side, and they just kind of took it in stride and just treated her like any other yep. newborn, which, you know, she wasn't as special by the ninth one, but she was still special. <laughs> and then on my side, she was the first, so she got all of that uh, special treatment. So um, I think our family was our definitely our biggest source of support.
0: And so... I guess because i'm not that familiar with down syndrome um is the is development trajectory just the same as any other kid or do you need additional like resources and support when they're young Yes, yeah,
1: there's definitely differences and it's really um each person is really individualized mm-hmm. but just there is a health impact i remember we had talked to a oh, i can't remember the name of this we talked to a lot of specialists but there was one I think it was a developmental specialist, in particular, that said, um, "You just don't know. Every person's different. Mm-hmm. There's no set um, pattern. You just have to figure it out as you go." So, um, but there is a separate growth chart that the pediatricians use. That's completely separate because the you know the physical impact is can be quite significant. And that was another thing that that specialist had, said, specialist had said is that most people think of it as just a cognitive um, impairment or a cognitive diagnosis. But there's a wide range of physical issues mm-hmm. that accompany Down syndrome. And low muscle tone is just one of those things. But the low muscle tone spe- affects everything from speech to fine motor skills mm-hmm. to gross motor skills. Uh, there's heart conditions, digestive uh, conditions, so she had to be tested for all of that and followed for all of that. Okay, the first year or two.
0: Okay, so it was a lot probably mm-hmm. to take on when she was just. Yeah, well.
1: we did spend a lot of time driving, you know, quite long distances, and spending time booking specialist appointments mm-hmm. and those sort of things. So,
0: so when did I guess when did it get a little bit easier for you guys and? And why well, was that? I think,
1: yeah, definitely after that first year, after the first few months, I think it was easier because we were able to settle into a routine. And we knew at that point that she didn't have any, you know, we didn't know of anything life threatening, some things had been ruled out. Um, but definitely after that first year or two, she was diagnosed with um, two heart conditions that repaired on their own. She oh, wow. our intervention. So before she was age two. So once we knew that that was. Past, you know, we felt a lot more at ease. That's amazing. Yeah. It's not that uncommon, I guess. Um, The heart defects are really common for newborns and people with Down syndrome, um, but a lot of them do just spontaneously repair on their own. Okay. But still, we didn't
0: know that. That's a huge celebration, no matter what, though. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, What a blessing. Um, So then at that point, was it just pretty typical until she went to school or did she?
1: Yeah, I think it was just busier. Okay, how I feel like looking back, Um, we we had to take her to a lot of therapy appointments, and by the time she was 23 months old, is when my son was born. Mm -hmm. So he, you know, spent. The first couple of years of with in of his life at uh physical therapy and speech therapy appointments in the waiting room. So he didn't really know any different,
0: obviously. So <laughs> but uh yeah, he didn't spend a lot of time doing that. I remember when Nicola was younger, um, she too would get speech in the house and um Francis would serve as the uh the model. Oh yeah. So Francis actually spoke pretty young because <laughs> they were getting speech for, but not. I mean, not actually getting speech, but they were present for speech. So it was kind of fun. Yeah, I saw similar things with my son where he hit
1: milestones earlier. <laughs> and I think it's because we just practiced so many things yeah. that he just absorbed it.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so with all of this happening, um, what would you say was one of your plan-a-house moments where as a parent you had to make the impossible possible? I think
1: right after she was born going through that process of understanding our life is not going to be at all what we thought, right and having to go through some grieving to ha- give up what you know what we had thought was going to happen or what our dream was and then go through that acceptance of it's going to be different. we don't know if it's going to be okay. yeah so I think to me, I would have, if someone would have asked me how I would have gone through that, I wouldn't have predicted that I would have been able to be as strong and come through it as strongly as I did.
0: And you think that and my you, husband did too. So the two of you with the support of your family is how you guys got through that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because yeah, it's very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess what's a day in the life of your family now? What's it like?
1: Now it's very, very busy um, (laughs) with two teens, neither one that can drive themselves and (laughs) lots of activities. There's a lot of schedule planning. right? And And you're um, a taxi. And (laughs) taxiing around. Yeah. So, um, you know, we plan out every day and then there's days where there's a little glitch and it throws everything off. So it's just... um, frantic and a lot of juggling in the evenings, which I think is not too much different than most parents I know with uh, kids the same age.
0: I think that you're absolutely right because I have a child who is 18 and still doesn't have their license. So yeah, there's still a lot of driving around. Um, So what are the plans for the future?
1: Well... My plans for the future are to eventually retire and get my both of my children as independent as possible Sure, and then um, work a little less and read a little more. So that's all I really have planned for my own future. But, um, you know, our daughter, we are looking at plans for her future.
0: Yeah. So what do you and, think about um, putting in place for her? Well... Um, and like what's available even? I think... Over the last few years, there's been a lot
1: of continuing education programs, specifically uh, college programs that welcome students with intellectual and developmental disabilities that I think are fairly new, but there has been such a growth in that
0: area. How are you finding out Um, about those?
1: There's a website that was shared with a by a friend of mine, mm-hmm. and so I follow that, and uh, mostly just through informal networking with other parents. Um, so it's not your school counselor, or no. They okay. actually, when I brought the information to the school, they were more surprised than anything. I think to hear about those those options. So mm. um, I think it's so new that it's not consider. You know, I don't think that it's uh, in the mainstream consideration right now. Okay. But my daughter has always really loved school. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, one option we're looking at for her a few years down the road um, in Michigan. Obviously we have transition supports available until age 26. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure she'll do something with with those programs. But long term, that's what we're looking at is doing some of that uh, continuing education. But really. Um, I'm a big component of supported decision making and giving her the tools to make her own decisions, and then us supporting those decisions, obviously within reason. So right, yeah. So and that's um, kind of a lifelong thing as well, you know, to accept your children for who they are instead of what you envision them to be. And as um, you know, children with special needs, I see a lot of adults and interactions. With parents, and I think, um, you know, that can be a struggle because there's it's someone that's vulnerable. Sometimes they can't speak for themselves, mm-hmm. you know, figuratively, literally. So there's a lot more complexity to um, supporting somebody in that capacity.
0: Yep, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so, so with your vast experience and knowledge, having gone through this journey so far, how are you sharing what you've learned with others? Well, I do. I have done
1: a lot of um, informal advocacy and just helping parents within the school system, um, which, you know, that's a lot to take on for any parent, depending on their experience and how welcoming the school environment mm-hmm. has been. Um, I found that to be really frustrating uh, for the parents, the group of parents that I was with, I think for all of us, and... Um, I ended up having to pull back on some of that just because it felt that impossible. It did feel impossible. Uh, when At the, the school level? Mm-hmm, and when the kids were in elementary school and middle school, so So did I, you guys go
0: outside the school looking yeah, to find up, things? Yeah,
1: we ended up taking our daughter out of the public school and having her go to private school for middle school, okay. and now she's back um, with a much better experience. So that's more um, or less the informal kind of help that I've given parents, just that their kids were younger and it was kind of like, well, this is what we did. Can we help you? Mm-hmm. You know, this is the trouble po- spots that we had, success successes and just kind of sharing that information. Okay. But um, I have an aunt who's been really an advocate for, for Anastasia, for my daughter, and she had kept saying, you know, I think you should get involved in seeing what's going to happen when she's an adult, what's going to happen when she needs a job. And Mm -hmm. I just kept saying, I can't even think about that. You know, she's in third grade or she's in fourth grade, she's in fifth grade. She's like, well, it's going to go by so fast that you're, you're not going to believe how fast it goes by, which everyone does say that and it is true. (laughs) Um, so you know, at one point, she had some opportunities, and so I was like, okay, I'll think about it. And one thing led to another, so then we ended up co-founding a
0: nonprofit You together. make it so, so nonchalant. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's, yeah. let's dig into that a little bit. Yeah. So, so tell us more about the nonprofit. So that's been
1: definitely more formal advocacy. So the nonprofit yeah. is focused on employment opportunities for people with adults with and it's intellectual developmental disabilities. It's called My Work Matters. Mm-hmm. And the main um, program that we run is a coffee shop called Anastasia and Katie's Coffee Shop. Mm-hmm. So now my informal advocacy, advocacy has kind of turned into you know, formal, very formal <laughs> undertaking. Right? Yes.
0: So tell us, tell us a little bit more about Michigan Work Matters. Or my so, Work Matters. I'm yes, sorry. I always want to my, call it Michigan. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's what it stands for. But yeah,
1: we do pronounce it My Work Matters. So um, that started in 2018. And really, you know, at my aunt's urging, when we looked more at what's out there after school, um, really the, the statistics are not real encouraging. There's not a lot of employment opportunities. Um,
0: you're talking about the cliff, the 18 to 26 Yeah, so cliff, after right? students
1: get out of school at age 26, some of the statistics show that 8 out of 10 don't have any job, mm-hmm. let alone a job that aligns with their skills and interests. So right. that's really the motivation and the inspiration on, on doing that work. So I felt you know, really confined with the school, with um, making any headway or making any change to do things the way I think it should have been, or mm-hmm. the way actually the, the law intended it to be, and um, I didn't think this would be easier by any means, but um, <laughs> it's more, to, more of a new frontier where we just had some opportunities and that we took advantage of. So,
0: so you have the coffee shop, mm-hmm. and so how many people are, are you guys employing? So right now we have 10 people total.
1: Seven people are in supported employment meaning that um, they're in a position that they require extra support to do the job, Mm -hmm. Um, and we've been able to give that to them. Some of them have a one-on-one job coaching. Others just need a little extra support, like having somebody around. If there's questions and others, now that um, I think... The most recent hire was almost a year ago. So everyone has been on the job for a while and they know the job pretty well. So some of our team members that were supported were kind of moving along to more leadership
0: mm-hmm. roles. They're
1: ready for that. They're great employees. They they know the job. So um, that's kind of exciting to see that develop.
0: Okay. And are you guys always looking for more people? or?
1: Well, right now we have a waiting list oh, wow. of people that want to come in um and we hope to be able to expand by adding hours and shifts to our um to our opening hours that we have right now
0: right and so then you also have like a catering arm right so that's something that you do for local businesses
1: yeah so that's been uh something that we started doing a while ago that's been really great is being able to gives us another way to connect with businesses another platform to get out in front of the public and businesses uh, we're able to provide uh, catered breakfast and lunch, um, sandwich trays, mm-hmm. pastry trays, that sort of thing. And, and then you also have the ambassador program. How does that work? So the ambassador program is a group of young adults that have a disability but also ha- currently have or have had experience um, on the job training or on the job paid work experience. And then they go out. To local businesses and community groups and talk about their experience as a worker with a disability, about benefits to employers, mm-hmm. um, you know why, how they can hire somebody, why they should, um, and just the successes and challenges that they've had. Okay. So that's a really cool program because it's really a self-advocacy program, so it allows the person to speak for and about themselves.
0: Right. And it probably builds other skills. So even if they weren't working at the coffee shop, they're building leadership skills that they could take to another position. Definitely, yeah. And also by giving these talks, they're getting in front of other people, which might find a future employer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. that's definitely true. So it sounds like you're doing a lot of uh, pretty incredible things for the local community, as well as helping individual families. That's it's quite remarkable. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. So for families that are new on this journey, so and I would just say special needs in general, unless you want us to talk specifically about Down syndrome, what advice might you give them? Well, I just talked to a parent at a networking event that
1: um, come to find that it wasn't a disability-related networking event, but um, during the time that we talked, she shared that she has a four-year-old with autism, and, and when I shared, you know, our experience a little bit about it, she was like, oh, how, you know, how did you get through this time? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I thought I had to think back about what what that time was like and how just physically exhausting that time was. Yeah. And uh, they said, well, you know, I did have groups of other parents that I was able to connect with, which that was the biggest support at that time, just other people that we knew that were going through something similar, um, to kind of share things with and just be able to laugh off some of the harder times. So, mm-hmm. um, and I know some people don't have that, especially, you know, I was, I would say fortunate enough that I lost my job when my son was a baby and my daughter was a toddler. Mm-hmm. And I ended up just staying home for a while. Um, and that was really a blessing because had I not been forced to seek out those other parents, I probably would have just been so busy trying to juggle, you know, keeping a, a job and things going that I may not have connected with all those other parents. So I know that's not um, an option for everyone. But um, I is think is
0: because you were connecting during the day with families? yeah, because okay. otherwise,
1: I you know, I had worked for so many years, and then I had no, um, you know, nothing structured going on. So right. that was another big um, transition. But um, I think even if someone is a working parent to just figure out ways to network with other parents is really important.
0: It sounds like that's where you heard about the college opportunities, oh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then maybe even did that did also help with like starting the coffee shop and like just the networking with other parents? Yeah, yeah that's that is how all, all of it happened. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I can see that, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I really appreciate you being. here. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today?
1: Not that. Well, yeah, actually, there's one thing I love it. I think of since it is October. Yeah. It just happens to be two um, awareness months that are very near and dear to my heart. One of them is it's Down syndrome awareness month. Okay. And the other one is this is a very long title, so <laughs> I I'll think try I know which one. This get is. it out without stumbling over it, but it's <laughs> National disability employment awareness month. So just rolls off the tongue. It does. Yeah. So uh those are two um
0: great things to celebrate this month. I agree because it's a, it's to always create awareness um, because otherwise, you know, if you don't have that experience, you may not think about it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I totally agree with you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. Um Well, again, thank you so much for being here today, Kelly, um, and for coming on the show and sharing your story. I'm super grateful that you could be here. Um, For those of you listening in, I hope you found some inspiration and connection in hearing Kelly talk today. And um, if you'd like to support this resilient community, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, or sharing this podcast with others who might find it meaningful. And join us next time on Let's Plant Houses. Take care.